the priority for Gator Mom Kennels is to make sure the puppy goes to a good home and you have a clear understanding of what you are owning. You are owning a strong, loving, smart dog. I'm Phil Hatterman, and this is Dogbridge, presented by Rosie Fund. Today, the operator of Gator Mouth Kennels, Xavier Gully, discusses breeding and training the sturdy but gentle Rottweiler. He also happens to own two of Peach's favorite dogs, Bishop and Ava. If you're new to Dog Words, in each episode we explore the world of dog care and companionship. We save each other is the motto of Rosie Fund, which simply means the more we do for dogs, the more they do for us, and they already do a lot. If you love dogs, you'll love Dog Words. We welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions. Go to the podcast page at rosiefund.org to share your thoughts. Please download, follow, rate, and most importantly, share dog words. Celebrate five years of Rosie Fund by supporting our campaign to sponsor 50 dogs. You can donate on our website or Facebook page. You can also contribute by making a purchase from the store on our website, buying a t-shirt at bonfire.com, or buying our note cards and shirts on barkyours.com. Links are in the description. Your donations and purchases help fund the Rosie Life Starter Kits that make sure these senior and harder-to-adopt dogs have some of the items they'll need in their forever home. Please follow Rosie Fund on social media. Subscribe to the free Rosie Fund YouTube channel that offers great videos of Rosie, Peaches, and Shelter Dogs, including some exclusive content, like the wonderful KC Pet Project dog featured in our latest post. Next time on Dog Words, Heather McLean Howell helps us with holiday shopping at Fit for a Pit. The mission of Rosie Funds to provide humans with the resources and education they need to give senior and harder to adopt dogs a better life. We thank you for joining our mission. Today's guest on Dog Words is Xavier Gully of Kansas City's Gator Mouth Kennels. Welcome to Dog Words, Xavier. Hey, good morning. Uh, thank you for the opportunity, Phil, to be a part of your podcast. So we can talk about dog breeding and also rescuing animals and possibly give uh, people out there tips on what to do uh, when they own a Rottweiler. Rottweilers are one of my favorite dogs. And full disclosure, not only is Xavier a guest on this show, he's also my neighbor. I've known one of your dogs much longer than I've known you. And I've known your other dog just a little bit longer. So you have Bishop and Ava. And our dog, Peaches, is in love with Bishop. Almost every time we take a walk, we have to go by your house, which is a half mile from ours, and swing by to see if Bishop is out there. She's very disappointed if he isn't, and I'll have to tell her, he's not out today. You can leave a message, and so she'll mark outside your fence a little message for Bishop. And then one day, there was this beautiful puppy that came running over, poking her nose between the boards on your fence, and Bishop seemed so proud. So it wasn't till several months after that that I finally saw you in the yard with the dogs and got to find out Ava's name. I already knew Bishop from another neighbor who told me, oh yeah, our dog loves Bishop. Because I was saying, do you know the name of the dog who lives over on the corner? The Rottweiler oh yes, that's Bishop. Everybody loves Bishop. Bishop and Ava could not be nicer. You're very nice too, Xavier. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, I try to instill that in my children. They are my babies, Bishop and Ava. And for the breed itself, Rottweilers, they are such intimidating dog mm-hmm. that I want people to feel comfortable walking up to the fence line 
painting them because they want to be loved. All animals want to be loved, just like people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bishop will hop up. I don't know, has he ever tried to leap over the fence? I'm guessing you've taught him this is a good place to be. Why would I want to leave? Because I think he could get out if he wanted to. Most definitely, I believe Because he, he will stand up and stick his head over the fence to get some loving. And it's just not intimidating at all, even though he's he's a big dog. Yeah, he's a very big dog. He weighs 100 pounds. And it been in times where he did knock a board off the fence. And a neighbor actually brought him and Ava back <laughs> to the house. <laughs> I was so happy. I was in the house cleaning up, had my music blasting. Mopping the floor, having a good time. And then my neighbor Chris stopped by and said, hey, do these belong to you? I was like, man, if you need anything, just give me a call. I'll be there for you, buddy. I couldn't picture them running away, but I could see them wandering off. Just, we happen to be walking and, and, oh, we're not at home now. But not, we're free running because they seem to be living a good life. Bishop is so well-mannered that he will meet Peaches at the fence, and then they walk down the fence line, taking turns sniffing and kind of booping when there's a little bit of a gap or a knot hole where they can get their nose through. Ava, much more enthusiastic as a puppy, but as she's matured, she's settled down a little bit. Bishop would kind of hover over her, and so they would both be at the fence. Now she's almost as big as he is, and they're both there, but because she was always able to be kind of in front of him, he defers to her. He still lets her kind of get in front of him because he's a gentleman. But she also will kind of give the excited let's play bark once in a while, and then Peaches will respond with that. And I noticed this on this morning's walk. They were out. She did that. Peaches barked back, and Bishop had kind of wandered off from the fence. He came running back and got in front of Ava and just kind of looked at her like she was misbehaving. Like, (laughs) we don't do that. Yes. (laughs) We have manners. And she stopped, and then Bishop went back to sniffing around the yard. So how much of their good manners is just inherent in the breed as opposed to or combined with how much work you have done to sort of coach them up and socialize them? To be honest with you, I think it's a little bit of both because – Honestly, I think it took a lot of training to develop them to be able to have that social ability to know what a threat is. Training did help out with that. And I think Bishop is a very smart dog, and Rottweilers are a very smart breed. And it's just the fact with Bishop being in that leadership role because he's the older, and Ava can get out of line sometimes. She can bark. I notice if I leave her out there alone, the behavior that she has when he's outside is totally different. Mm-hmm. You know, she's more on guard. She's not being a threat or showing anyone that they're going to bite, but she'll bring it aware to me that somebody's outside that compared to Bishop. It's like they're not a threat. I'm not going to alert dad that anyone's out here. I have everything under control. But if anything seems suspicious or anyone walking suspiciously, they are smart enough to know and catch on to that. And I will start barking and let me know that, hey, dad, I think you need to look out the window or be on the lookout or be aware so I think the behavior that Ava is experiencing is just growth and time that she invested with Bishop and being out there because Bishop never been the type of dog that bark at pedestrian or the local resident that goes by. He's just always been easy go lucky. So I realized over time that Ava started to change her demeanor within herself, just being around Bishop, which is her role model and soon to be husband as they uh, reach the age of breeding. 
So uh, to answer your question, I do think uh, it was 50-50 because we do do training on the weekends where I do have Bishop in uh, obedient classes and also Ava, and we do Schutzen as well. So they have to know when to turn it on and turn it off. I don't want my dog as friendly enough that anyone can just come inside my fence and take them home, which they could possibly happen if yeah, they come you, in with a good yeah. demeanor. And yeah, that's it's like, I, that's a beautiful dog. <laughs> I don't hesitate, now that I've gotten to know Bishop, to reach over and pet him when he hops up and offers his head. But I think if somebody jumped over that fence, they would instantly regret it. No, for sure. Uh, I think, uh, And I think that's what you want from a dog. Mm-hmm. You want them to be easygoing, polite, well-mannered, but also to recognize what is their territory when there is a threat and respond appropriately. And then I think another critical point you made is when you said it's 50-50, how much of that is just them being them and the training, regardless of what dog you have, where you get it, whether it's from a shelter or a breeder, there's going to be characteristics of breeds but also individual characteristics of a dog. That particular dog might be a little different from others in its breed just because of something in its DNA, but you still have to train it and socialize it and bring out the best of it and not let it fall into bad habits. You can't just rely on, you know, here's what border collies are like. They're going to herd, and so I have a herding border collie. That's not what sheep farmers do. They don't just, I have a border collie and throw it out there. They train it. They also have the old or older border Older, that's hard to say, older border collies. The older border collies model the right behavior because if you don't, you get the border collie that has all that high energy misdirected, and it's going to be a nightmare. It will definitely be a nightmare if you have a higher energy dog and you don't have time to exalt their energy because they're pretty much going to be doing things in the house, misbehaving, not because... It's intentional, but it's just because irritation and frustration of things that they want to do instinctively, mm-hmm. but they are being domesticated into our lifestyle, and that may not be what they want. And for Rottweilers, for centuries, because they're one of the longest-bred dogs in this world, with the Romans in history, uh, they was used for herding. But they've always been a deterrent dog. They've always been a guard dog, mm-hmm. not only for the herd, but... Definitely a guard dog, for sure, if you look at a right Yeah, you want them to herd, Mm -hmm. but you also don't want anyone to steal something from your herd or a predator to get something from your herd. So a border collie is great at herding. They're not great at protection because they're just a little 40, 45 pounds maybe. A Rottweiler can herd any size animal. And and, and a Rottweiler uh, has a sense of death. A Rottweiler do not want to die for any type of cause. If anything, they will escape and scurry away if they feel like they're about to die, other than the breed of a pit bull or a mm-hmm. bulldog. Those breeds were bred to go to war. They have a tenacity, yeah. To hunt bears, hogs, they don't have any fear of death. They will put their life on the line for their owner. And that's why you see so much today in society if you do not put the proper training and training that particular breed of dog, which is uh, Rottweiler, Pitbull, they can get themselves in situations where they're acting instinctively in a situation where another dog may come around them. His territory is just like a pack of wolves. This loner dog that's been cast out of his pack or his pack have died off, 
he walk past a pack of wolves, they will nine times out of ten attack this wolf. Just based off territory. They do not smell my markings. Mm-hmm. Why are you here? And the same thing with a pit bull. They have that instinct if they don't have that training involved and when they just want to protect their owner or protect themselves or just create a mental understanding that I'm the dominant one. I already warned you prior to coming here. I barked mm-hmm. once. And in some cases, you don't even get a warning. So that's why you always got to have to have control of your animal at all times. And I do strongly recommend that all owners keep that in mind when they own a dog or being around a dog. Make sure that dog is under control because if not, that's when mistakes happen. So what are some basic skills or commands that you as a trainer would impart to a new dog or a young dog? Because everyone wants to teach their dog sit, stay, maybe lay down. And most dog owners I know, that's it. They don't even get to heal or come. So if we can even get them there, that would be great. But then what are some of the things that help you control your dog to keep your dog safe, you safe, and then your neighbors safe? To be honest with you, sit, stay down are critical. They're the most used command in dog obedience. Also, you want to have control, and that will establish the collar. That's where the collar and the leash come in at. So you want to always have your dog under control on the leash doing the commands at that early age at six weeks. A six-weeks-year puppy need to be on a leash with a collar around the neck so they can know that you are in control. You are not moving unless I'm telling you to move other than having it off him until they're about six months. That's bad because that dog is living freely without any restriction. Mm -hmm. So now when you try to initiate that training, he's confused. But if you do it at a young age when they're receptive to a lot of different things, before you even feed your puppy, I would make sure he sits. As he gradually understands that I need to sit before I eat, I'll step it up the notch and say, uh, you need to sit, then lay down. I'm going to go walk upstairs and change your uh, water bowl, and I still want you to lay down until I return. Because with time, those concept is going to make him a better dog when he's off the leash. That's when you know you won the game, when your dog is laying down off leash when a pedestrian walks by with their dog, and you gave the command once of down. That means the bond that you created when it was a puppy went from that small command, stay, sit down, has developed your dog to be a great listener. And I think it's going to better the relationship if you start at that age with sit, stay, down. People sometimes look at that as being cruel because you're not giving the dog what they want. It's like they're just a puppy. It's the ultimate kindness because you're taking stress out of their life. So when a stranger is coming up, a dog who doesn't know what to do is under stress. But a dog, in your example, who trusts its owner, who tells them, sit, lay down, stay, the stress is gone. I know what I need to do now. I've been told by this person I trust what to do, and I will do that, and I will be perfectly content And they don't have to figure out the situation because someone they trust has figured it out for them. That's much more kind than having a dog that's out of control, doesn't know what to do in a situation, doesn't have commands that it can respond to. You're not doing your dog any favors by not teaching it, not disciplining it, not teaching it boundaries. Mm -hmm. I totally uh, agree. 
All dogs need to be taught boundaries at a young age because as they get older, you're going to start noticing their personalities. And dogs, to me, have a close nature of how I see within my daughter. To do something wrong, they try to be sneaky, they do something good, I reward her, and um, just have to keep your eye on them. Because they get rebellious at certain ages. and I, The ones that I notice the most from the range from six months to uh, a year, they become like teenagers. They feel like they know everything. Mm-hmm. Even though they do know what you're saying, you just have to get back into what I said earlier, control. So if I give a command, I'm going to give it to them once, and then I'm going to have to initiate or grab the collar or put them in the down position. I don't believe in physically disciplining your dog because they can cause confusion. So you have to come up with tactics of disciplining a dog. It's a lot of different avenues we can do with that. But as an owner, I don't want to tell someone, hey, this is what you need to do because it may not work. You have to find out what works for that dog. You got to find out what that dog do not like. Some people use shot collars as a discipline technique. Shot collars can be used. Some people may see that as a tool of abuse. And it can be if you overdo it. But in reality, you just want that dog to understand that, hey, I need to do what dad says at all times because if not, I'm going to get punished. And no dogs want to be punished. They need to do humans in our nature, something taken away from us because they're going to make us change our behavior in order for it to get back. And that's what you want to look forward to when owning a dog. You want to build that relationship where that dog wants to be rewarded to make you happy. Mm-hmm. And that's all dogs want in their lives. They want you to be happy. They want to be happy. And they love rewards. And so as human nature, we love to be rewarded for the things we do. Yeah. We want people to recognize us. And this is what these dogs want. Yeah, people work a lot harder for a reward than they will to avoid a punishment. And also, I think this is probably true for dogs as well, but I think it's definitely true for humans To avoid punishment, you'll do just enough to avoid the punishment. I agree. For a reward, you will go above and beyond. (laughs) You don't want to take any chances on not getting that reward. I agree. It's it's a much better incentive. And then talking about your daughter, teaching her that you can't always get what you want and that she needs to listen to you is a lot easier to do now than when she's 25. (laughs) I know, right. I know, right. (laughs) Have her go out into the world. Or go to college and find out that, oh, when I don't get what I want, nobody seems to care. I agree. At that age, yeah, I taught you all the values that you need to have when you're going out in life. So I'm going to let you make your mistakes like I made mine. And hopefully we learn from them. Because if you don't learn from your mistakes, you're going to find yourself in a, a evolving circle. Yeah, you still let them make mistakes so that they learn from them, whether it's a dog or a child, but they also know that you're going to be there for them. Agreed. So a mistake's not the end of the world, but you still need to be able to recover from a mistake, learn from a mistake. A few weeks ago, we had Gary Lezak on, who made the point several times that dogs live in the now, that they don't hold on to the past. They're not planning for the future as much as people are, they're just enjoying being in the now. That's part of moving on from a mistake. So when you discipline a dog, if you do it 
the right way that you're not beating your dog. It's just a verbal correction or uh, a nonverbal sign that, that you've taught them. They will stop the inappropriate behavior, but then they're not going to hold a grudge. Agree. When you see a dog act guilty, and we had dog behaviorist Dr. Ellen Furlong on talking about a study that showed dogs that act guilty or look guilty are not feeling guilt for something that they've done wrong. They're responding to their human because they read humans so well. Even if you don't think you're giving off any signals, the dog looking guilty is responding to you. So when you feel bad that, oh, I punished them, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to tell you no, I still love you, well, yeah, it's going to respond to you acting guilty for being a good owner. But if you just discipline them or reward them or correct them and then move on, they'll move on too. I agree. I think their, uh, uh, I want to say attention span, but that memory bank of their failures, I think it gets deleted with happiness. Mm-hmm that you promote in their day-to-day lives. So, yeah, they're I, a lot better at that than we are. I agree. <laughs> I know some things are happening in my life, man, I still haven't forgotten. <laughs> Dogs, just let it go. So, Gator Mouth Kennels, you are breeding and training Rottweilers. People can follow you on Facebook. Yes, Gator Mouth Kennels on Facebook. Please uh, take time out, hit the search tab, type in Gator Mouth Kennels. And I'll have a link to it in the description for this episode. So that will also make it easy. What are people going to find on your Facebook page? All right, on my Facebook page, you're going to find my babies, of course, um, Bishop and Ava being advertised with photos, moments that we share together, and also videos of when we do shoots and training. Uh, I don't really have the obedience training that we do. I don't really promote that because I'm promoting the protection side of a Rottweiler because they are a guard dog naturally. So you don't have to do anything. They're going to have that natural deterrent ability to guard you and protect you at all times. So I'm promoting that and also my upcoming litter that I should have on the ground beginning of next year in February, early March. So you don't want to miss out by word of mouth uh, the litter is already sold out. I've been breeding dogs since the time I was a child with my father, but I just took time out for myself to start off with Rottweilers, starting with breeding, and then we're going to move forward and possibly have other breeds available. But right now, I'm just focused on learning and understanding my breed, and that's the Rottweiler because they are a working breed of dog. This dog loved to be going outside, doing some type of training, doing some type of job. And I train my dogs on search. I train my dogs on protection. I train them on obedience. I'm learning. They're learning. I even take my dogs to go hunting. Before we start recording, you're talking about your bow hunting. Oh, most definitely. He loves to go out and sniff the ground and track down the buck that I took down. And it's both a beautiful experience for me, build confidence in me to take him out. And if I end up going into another area that I'm not comfortable with. I can trust my dog on leash to lead me on a trail to possibly find out my next area to hunt. And it's the beauty of it because it reminds me of what people did before time was modernized when we really had to go out. We used a dog. Yeah, the way we've evolved with dogs, mm-hmm. there are breeds like Rottweilers that are still so close to that kind of relationship. Not all dogs can you do that with. with. No. Not all breeds. 
Now, Rottweiler not even known to go hunting, but they're yeah. known for tracking. They have a good nose. They are used for blood tracking. Also, cadaver dogs. Uh, they search for dead bodies, missing children, and they're just not like a hound. A hound is primarily used for hunting. It's good to try to change up the image of what people think and see when they're dealing with the Rottweiler because I'm going to give you something out of the normal when you see a Rottweiler. People already assume that this dog is aggressive. I want to ban it from the neighborhood. Yeah, there's breed-specific legislation that there's uh, some municipalities that don't allow dogs like Rottweilers, pit bulls. I get an apartment complex if the rationale is like the size of the dog. If they just say, we don't allow dogs over 60 pounds, okay. But when they say a specific breed of dog or type of dog, then that's getting into a kind of profiling that to me exposes they don't really understand dogs. They don't know dogs. Because having a Rottweiler next door, when you move in, that should be the best day of your life. We got a Rottweiler that we get to love on and watch, and we don't have to feed. To me, instead of discriminating breed, I think it should be laws put in place where in certain situations, depending on where you live, if they have any issue with you owning that dog, you should be able to have some type of insurance just to cover mm-hmm. anyone that may be damaged or attacked by your dog. And I think that's all it should be. Just make sure you have some type of insurance because yeah. you're going to have to pay these people medical mm-hmm. bills and let's hope for the best and keep your dog under control as we were talking about in the beginning because control is the main thing that you mm-hmm. want as an owner when you're owning a dog because it's an animal. Even though it's domesticated, it's an animal. And you never know how it's going to feel on a bad day. And doesn't matter how great a driver you are or how safe your car is, you have to have liability insurance. I agree. Jimmy Johnson has liability insurance. Dale Earnhardt Jr. has liability insurance to be able to drive the streets, even though they're probably never going to cause an accident on a public street because they're a great driver. They have to have liability insurance. That makes sense. I don't know why we don't have that. Liability insurance for the dog. And you treat it like a human. I agree. Because until I punch you in the face, you should assume I'm not going to punch you in the face. I agree. I agree. And then if I do, then I deserve whatever I get. Same way with the dog. If the dog doesn't cause any problems, great. But if it does, then that individual dog and their owner are held accountable. Let's not preemptively remove a dog from a municipality or homeowners association. When we bought this house two and a half years ago, there were houses we looked at on Zillow. And then when I saw where they were at, that city has a breed ban. They're out of the running. And our realtor, we would see a house that we liked and we would check with her. And because she knew what our requirements were, she would say that HOA, no pits. Okay. Well, I guess Those people don't get to be our neighbors. Too bad for them because they're missing out on Peaches. They would be missing out on Bishop and Ava. I agree. And as you see, the the dogs is well-mannered. Peaches has been quiet, napping the whole entire time. She's a great dog. Thank you. And she's a rescue. I do strongly recommend people take time out. Uh, If you're not going to buy from a dealer that breed rocks, which I say I I am a middleman in the business because you have – top-notch corporation like Petland, Petco, who's going to overprice the dog. You're not going to know 
the health history. British, like myself, we go above and beyond to make sure that our dogs are healthy. We go through world-class breeders. We spend the extra money to get tests done on an orthopedic level, x-rays, before we breed these dogs. So uh, when you don't have the time or money afford a dog from a breeder like myself or a huge corporation, I strongly recommend you go to the rescue, get you a dog that you can bring home to your family and love. They're good dogs. At the end of the day, they have personality, and they're all alone, and they just want someone to come by and grab their paw and say, I love you. So not only am I a dog breeder, I do strongly promote rescue just because there are dogs out there that need families. Yeah, it comes down to really being honest with yourself about why do I want a dog? What do I want it to be in my life? And you're talking about dogs with personality, and Peaches is trying to jump into the conversation. But it's kind of like deciding, do I want to buy a house or do I want to rent? Do I want to live in an apartment? Well, think about long-term, what do I want to do in my house? Can I do that if I own or if I rent, or can I not afford to buy at this time? My brother-in-law, you talk about the health of the dog is important to you and the tests that you do before you match up a pair. My brother-in-law is a reputable breeder like yourself. He doesn't want to just crank out as many litters as he can because then his reputation as a breeder is, yeah, you have these pairs that were not well-matched, or you have the father who had bad health, and now you have puppies that have bad health. That's not good for him as a business person, let alone ethically. It's just not smart. We had the seeing eye on a few weeks ago, and they are the world's oldest seeing eye dog training school. And wow. they have their own breeding populations. There are breeders that they work with. So they, they, they get all their dogs from a Pacific breeder. Yeah, they have they, they have certain breeders for, they have German Shepherds, and then they have some Labrador Retrievers, some Goldens, because they want a dog that's going to be healthy to give to this blind person. I agree. You don't want to give a dog to a blind person that, yeah, this they have a history of hip dysplasia, and they only live six or seven years. No, they want to have healthy dogs that are going to have a long life, that are going to fit the needs of their population that they serve, just as you, in the short term, you can make a lot of money just by how many litters can we get out of Ava? Mm -hmm. But that would be a really bad business model. I agree. Or you could trust that someone like Xavier is smart, good business person, ethical, and wants what's best for their dogs. Because it's obvious when someone sees you with Bishop and Ava, you love them. I do. I love them so much. I invest a lot of time in them. I invest a lot of money, just like I do for my daughter. And I want people to understand that at Gator Mouth Kennels, we're here to promote a good litter of pups, well-behaved, good temperament for your family that's going to provide you the love that you are desiring. And I want people to understand that I am starting this business this year. I have owned my pups almost for three years now. And... I just can't wait to start putting a smile on customer faces when they decide to come by the house and check on my dogs. And I can't wait till I get myself to the point where I have maybe 10 dogs at a time. So please take time out. Go on Facebook. Hit the like button at Gator Mouth Kennels. I'm available 24 hours. If you send a message, if I'm up, I will respond at 
2.45 a.m. So don't be hesitant. If you have any questions, concerns, please contact me, and um, I will reply. Well, certainly if you're in the Kansas City area or willing to make the drive to a Kansas City area and you're thinking about a Rottweiler, great place to, to start your search is Gator Mouth Kennels with Xavier Gully. And if you're not sure if a Rottweiler is the right dog for your family, your lifestyle, ask Xavier. Yes, please. That's one of the great things about Facebook is it's interactive, and so you can tell him, here's what we're looking for, here's what our lifestyle is like. Will a Rottweiler be a fit? And if it's not? I would definitely tell you, I'm not here to pressure you to buy a Rottweiler. I'm not here to uh, take your money because the most important thing is make sure my pups are going to a good home because I would love to have my puppy back. If you no longer want the puppy and you need to rehome it, just give it back to me. You're not getting your money back, of course, but you can give my dog back and uh, we can go on with our lives. And that's what's most important is making sure that dog is in a good home and obviously... Yes. Xavier Gully is a good home for yes, a rot. Yes, yes. The priority for Gator Mouth Kennels is to make sure the puppy goes to a good home and you have a clear understanding of what you are owning. You are owning a strong, loving, smart dog. Rottweilers mature at a slower rate than most dogs because they have the massive lineage. They're like a big massive. They really don't mature until about three, maybe even five. You have your full-size Rottweiler. And we all know that they're known to not live the longest lives. So when you get a Rottweiler, hold them, cherish them, mm-hmm. and make sure they are always loved. Because once they're gone, they're gone. And the only thing that you have left are the memories. And the memories of love is what you always want to remember. Don't remember the regrets. And just move forward. And if you ever need another dog, I'll be here to provide services for you. And make sure they're well health-tested. And good temperament for you and your family. Well, what you're saying about loving your Rottweiler now, of course, applies to all dogs, but it goes back to what we were saying a little earlier about dogs live in the now. Live in the now with your dog. Enjoy every moment that you can with your dog because odds are they're going to be gone before you are. And so don't have any regrets. Make the most of the time you can spend with your dog. And if you want that dog to be a Rottweiler, check with Gator Mouth Kennels. Xavier will make sure that it's a good experience for you. And even if you don't live in the Kansas City area, anywhere around the world, if you have questions about Rottweilers, Gator Mouth Kennels is on Facebook. Xavier, thank you again for joining us today. And I can't wait to take my next walk with Peaches to see Bishop and Ava again. I thank you, Phil, for the opportunity to be here on your podcast. It's a blessing. God bless everybody and Godspeed. I'm Phil Hatterman, and you've been listening to Dog Words, presented by Rosie Fund. Thank you to Xavier Gulley for joining us today. A link to Gator Mouth Kennel's Facebook page is in the description, along with links to the Dog Words episodes we mentioned today. Next time on Dog Words, Heather McLean Howell helps us with holiday shopping at Fit for a Pit. A big thank you to alternative string duo The Wires, featuring cellist Sasha Groshong and violinist Laurel Morgan Parks, for playing the wonderful music you've heard on today's and previous episodes of Dog Words. Supporting The Wires supports our mission. Now you can join Laurel and Sasha as they explore new music and delve into the inspiration behind each work as hosts of Sound Currents on 91.9 Classical KC. Click on the Sound Currents link in the description for more information. Learn more about The Wires, including their concert schedule, at thewires.info and download their music on iTunes. 
Check out FiddleLife.com and learn to play fiddle and cello fiddle online from Laurel and Sasha, even if you've never played before. Celebrate five years of Rosie Fund by supporting our campaign to sponsor 50 dogs. You can donate on our website or Facebook page. You can also contribute by making a purchase from the website store, buying a t-shirt at bonfire.com, or putting some of our merch in your cart when you shop at Bark Yours. Links are in the description. Your donations help fund the Rosie Life Starter Kits that make sure these senior and harder-to-adopt dogs have some of the items they'll need in their forever home. As always, please download, follow, rate, and share dog words. This helps us with sponsorships, then Rosie Fund can help more dogs. Support Rosie Fund by following us on social media, and please subscribe to the free Rosie Fund YouTube channel. Our latest post features a wonderful KC Pet Project dog looking for a forever home. Send us your comments, questions, and suggestions at rosiefund.org, and let us know if you would like to be a sponsor or a guest of the Dogwoods Podcast. Thank you for listening, and remember, we save each other. Thank you.